Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. We are uh, in the gym the once again. Cavernous Echo Age. Echo. Yeah. Echo. Yeah, it's Echo. raining again. Mm-hmm. So I'm ready for summer anytime. Any anytime. Yeah. I all of my um, ambitions to like shoot this thing on the roof. The roof. With like a just with a beautiful sunset. Would have been would have been very uh, appropriate for this for this series. I, I think so. It's Holy Spirit series. Clouds. Yeah. So yeah. We, yeah. So good. Good. Good segue. Yeah. That was fantastic. We are in a brand new series, folks, uh, called the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And so we're talking about um, a person of the Trinity that I think lots of times, depending on your background, can either be an incredible joy or can be incredibly scary. Um, and what I mean by that is, please, most people, depending on where they're coming from in terms of their Christian worldview yeah. or their Christian experience, have either been a part of like more Baptistic, Reformed um, traditions that may not necessarily have been very open to a post Canonical. Oh my goodness! There's a lot I of know. words. Spirit. Baptistical. Baptistical. Canonical. Baptistical. So what I mean by that is, yeah. there are some groups of of Christians that actually believe that all of the miracle stuff that happened, all the spirit stuff that happened, uh, only occurred until the Book of Revelation, mm. and so after Revelation, the spirit's not doing anything anymore. So they're what we call cessationists. Okay. So that is the big theological word for people that believe that now the spirit is at work, but only through the Bible, mm. only through uh, the, the lives of people as he inspires people so, by, there's by nothing the word. New. There's, there's nothing, nothing, new. New. nothing new. So miracles, utterances, prophecy, all of the stuff that you would find in uh, First Corinthians yeah. just isn't happening anymore. Okay. We don't need it because we have the full canon of scripture okay. to guide us. Okay. Okay. All right. And then you have uh, continuationists or people that say that the Spirit's work has continued all through the ages and is continuing now. So things like sure. prophetic utterances, healings, miracles, all that stuff is still happening because the Spirit is still at work today. Okay. Uh, in the same way he's, he was in the book of Acts. Okay. So what if, what if I'm somewhere in the middle? Explain that. What well, do you mean? What do you mean? I, get, I mean, so I grew up in, you know, definitely a more traditional background, conservative. I mean, definitely even legalistic to begin with. But even up until, I mean, Elam actually is the first Pentecostal church I've Whoa. ever been to, for sure. Actually, I don't think most people know that Elam is a Pentecostal it's church. It's, we we fall into more of a Menno-Baptic-costal. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, see that? But we are part of the sure. Pentecostal Sums and that's good. And that's amazing. Yeah. And to be honest, even, even with that distinction... Certainly, there's more, more, more Holy Spirit than mm-hmm. you know. I've sort of maybe grew up with, and um, so I mean, obviously, we knew there's a Trinity, and so there's yeah. you know, there's there's three of them, and so I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deny that you know the Holy Spirit is a member of the Trinity, but sure. he certainly we don't he, didn't hear from him much. Yeah, and then there was a lot of crazy people. Yeah, and so what do you do with you know? And I hope, again, I think they and were. What, but, but what do you mean from by crazy people? Okay, well, I mean, okay. And that's the thing. And now, and now, again, who am I to say this? But differently growing up, it was looking at, there was, you know, uh, growing up for me, there was the, um, 
you know, there's a, there's a big movement where there's a lot of signs and a lot of wonders, barking, you know, being slain, being, you know, uh, there's a a bunch of things that were really popular and, and, and people were seeking them out. People were traveling across the country to, to have these things happen to them. And of course, for me as a little Baptist little boy, I'm like, that's, I mean, that's just probably, that's wrong. Now, since then I've been, you know, I'm, I've certainly have gotten to a place where I know that just because it makes me uncomfortable doesn't make it wrong, but I still wonder, yeah, is there abuse? Is there, so all of these things sure. have sort of built up this thing of like how much, you know, Holy spirit, you're cool, but just don't go, don't go outside of this sort of, you know, circle yeah. Yeah. and then I'll be fine. Sure. So that's kind of where, I, so I think, does he do miracles? Cool. Yes. Does, you know, uh, does he, is there prophecy? Yes. Yeah. But, but just don't like don't make it too weird. Weird. Don't okay. Make it too weird. Okay. So I'm coming from the complete opposite end. Okay. Where you know I went to youth camp with like fire tunnels. Uh, Actually, I don't even. What is a fire? Okay. Tunnel? So it's two. It's two. Two. Two groupings of people that okay. go that are parallel to one another. Okay. And you walk through and people shout fire and like they're praying in tongues okay. and they're putting their hands on you. All right. And like everybody goes through it. So. Like I grew up with that. I grew up with a lot of different things in that realm that right. actually um, I messed up a lot of people in some hmm. various ways. Not that not that God wasn't doing stuff, right? But I think sometimes we went a little bit overboard. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's been a whole a whole journey in walking from this extreme. Yeah into a very stable, steady yeah. middle where the spirit is this amazing person yeah. that helps me and, and you know, my family and uh, helps me in my Christian life to become more like Jesus yeah. and empowers me for mission. That's, that's where I'm at. Yeah. Now. I mean, and that's interesting because I think it seems like it comes up a lot in our discussions about these extremes. I think again, as yeah. people were drawn to those extremes we are, we are. and so I would say I was definitely, and would feel much more comfortable if I had to choose an extreme, it would be the other way, yeah. other extreme, sure. right? So, so I think, um, and again, maybe that's where we're going to land again today is talking about mm-hmm. the tension in the middle of what it looks like to be led by a spirit. And, and, but obviously with that comes, yeah, I mean, how do you how do you weigh things? How do you, you know, um, you look at something and how do you test it? How do you know that it's the spirit? Yeah. And I don't know, maybe are we, we going to talk about that? Oh know. yeah, so, well we have a few weeks yeah. to talk about okay. all that stuff. So, I think okay. I think the first and I think the first thing is to acknowledge that a lot of times the spirit is almost. Francis Chan wrote a book about this several years ago. Mm. It was uh, the Forgotten God, mm. and his whole premise was. I'm just smacking. It's a hand talker. The whole premise was we really do kind of go towards a father, son, holy Bible, Trinity. Stole that from a few different pastors. Okay, but, I, but that's a good one. That's good though. Yeah, they're stealing. There we go. But I, I think, like, yes, the scriptures are God breathed. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're inspired by the Spirit. I mean, like that is part of the the theology, the belief that we hold to in terms of the doctrine of what we call inerrancy, or that the right. the the Bible actually is complete and is God's word uh, to his people. And yeah. so there is authority there for that, which is which is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, that it was the spirit that inspired 40 different authors over 66 different books, over mm-hmm. 1600 years to write the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation, which is fantastic. Yeah. So we believe that, but the truth of the matter is, is that it was the spirit that inspired people to write the text. 
that doesn't negate the fact that the spirit is actually a person of the Trinity mm. who does need to be part of our everyday lives. And actually the spirit, who he is, is the connection point between humanity and God. Mm. Like this, I think this is the misnomer. Okay. That you have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. They're all kind of up there floating around doing their thing. Definitely. What happened, and this is where John 14 comes in, what Pastor Marvin just, just spoke about this weekend. Jesus is telling the disciples, look, I'm sending somebody to you that is going to be an advocate, that's going to be a comforter, a helper, and a counselor. Mm. This is what I'm giving to you. But I have to go so that he can come. And so when Jesus ascends into heaven, what happens is that the Spirit comes and resides into the disciples. And so some would even say at John 20, when he breathes on them, that's when the they are what you call animated or become regenerate. Right. The, the spirit is living inside of them now instead of outside of them. And what's interesting is the spirit was not living in hum, human beings by Genesis chapter six. Right. So God breathes into us in Genesis chapter two. By Genesis chapter six, he's like, my spirit can't do this anymore. People are just too evil. He pulls the spirit from humanity. And in the Old Testament, the spirit only rested on prophets, priests, and kings, or charismatic leaders. Okay. But not on the average, everyday Israelite. And so that's why in the Old Testament, you'll see like, you'll see the temple, the tabernacle, and, um, and the tent. So all three T's, tent, tabernacle, and uh, tent. <laughs> what, how, what am I saying? Tent, tabernacle. It's like saying know, unique New York ten three times. T, there's three T's. Three T's. You write them Tent, down. Tent, tabernacle, yeah. and the. <laughs> I can't. I don't. Just know. rewind this. Anyway, rewind, just rewind this. this later. It'll you'll be, find, you'll find out what the third one is. Yeah. I forget right now. So, but the spirit only dwelt in those spaces yeah. among the Israelites, yeah. not in them. So the experience that you and me have as followers of Jesus is very different than what was going on in the Old Testament. Hmm. So for them, there was no spirit dwelling inside of them. The spirit, God's presence was dwelling among them, but not in them. And so they didn't have a direct connection to God. That's why they needed priests. That's why they needed all of the religious symbolism and you know the, the killing of animals and all that other stuff. But for us, we don't need that hmm. because the spirit is literally a part of God or one of the persons of God that he is input into his body, into the church. And so every follower of Jesus has a part of God inside of them, the spirit, one of the persons who's guiding them and leading them into looking more like Jesus and interesting. Yeah. Having so, connection. so thinking back to when I was a kid and we, and sure. we, I think, I don't know, if, I don't know if we still do this, but where we talk about asking Jesus into our heart. Sure. So is that theologically right then? No. See? Okay. I mean, it, that whole thing has become a, uh, a way people have, gotten to a formula okay. in which people can accept Jesus. Sure. That's not how it works. Right. Uh, if you read John chapter three, this is when Jesus is talking to Nicodemus, there's mm -hmm. something beautiful that happens. Mm. Jesus actually says, you have to be born again. Mm. And Nicodemus is like, what? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? This yeah. is crazy. And then he says, you have to be born of water and of the spirit. So you have to be naturally born 
but also born of the spirit. Right. And then he says, look, do you know where the wind's going? Do you know, can you catch it? Yeah. You can't. Yeah. The same thing happens to people who are born again. The spirit goes and brings to new life whoever he wants, however he wants. And so like, yes, you can get into a formulaic way of saying, Jesus, I accept Jesus into my life. But over the years, what we, what we have found is people have said that prayer or have invited Jesus into their lives, but they weren't actually regenerate. Right. Okay. You know, it, it was a formula that led them to now good works. So, you know, if you accept Jesus into your heart, this is fantastic. Um, but now you have to hit all these check marks. Yeah. Okay. So, but the way the Bible describes coming to new life is the spirit opens your eyes, softens your heart, and you just say, oh shoot, the gospel makes sense. Right. Like who Jesus is, is amazing and it's good and it's purely God's work. Mm -hmm. And I think that's hard for us because um, we wanna have some kind of control over it. Uh, but th that's the joy of the spirit, I think, is that he is, he is radically uh, bringing people to life on a regular basis, but in a way that is on his terms, not on ours. And so that's why I say he's the forgotten God. Okay. Because like we end up figuring out formulas and processes and procedures to try to make sense of the spirit's work and we can't. And that's what's hard for us because we want the stats. We want the semblances of making it make sense for us. But the joy of it is that Jesus can actually open somebody's eyes and soften somebody's heart when they're sleeping on their, uh, on their, on their bed, when they're sitting on their couch, when they're in their shower, when they're on a walk. Mm -hmm. I mean, like there's no, there's no real formula to it of how Jesus is awakening people. But the one thing that, is needed is faithful people who are sharing the gospel with folks. Mm -hmm. And as the gospel is seeded into people's hearts, the spirit does the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know? Well, I mean, and that, uh, yeah. And again, that's messier. It's totally. yeah, again, not so precise, you know, in terms of when you're keeping stats in church, that's a little harder to keep track of. Like totally. you said, right. Totally. You can't, you know, with the, with the, with, you know, these many people raised their hand and these many people got baptized. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, so that process though is, is, is more than, more than that. It's more than your one time. Okay, cool. I'm done. And now I've got the fire insurance or whatever. Right. So, so, I mean that, I mean, so that's interesting. Um, so, you know, what does that look like then? Like, should I be afraid? Mm. Or could it get weird? Yeah. I, I don't think you should be afraid. Right. I mean, the way Jesus is describing it in John 14, it, he's, the way he's describing the spirit is as an advocate, comforter, helper, and counselor. So, yeah, that's... What should you are, be afraid those of? Those are all good things, right? Those are all great yeah. things. But I think the uncomfortable part of it is that we don't understand that people are on, a, on different phases of the spiritual continuum. Hmm. So there are some people prior to becoming a Christian, like the spirit is drawing them. He's not inside of them. Right. He's drawing them to himself. And so he's convicting them of things. He's showing them there's a better way than this. Mm -hmm. Jesus is actually the better way. And mm -hmm. when people have this like light bulb moment, uh, when the spirit opens their eyes and softens their hearts, it's like, oh, how didn't I see this before? Right. 
And that's the spirit. And this yeah. is where like the gospel, you know, Paul will say the gospel is foolishness to the perishing, but to those that are being saved, it's the power of God. Mm. It's like, what? This makes total sense. When you think about the gospel, it shouldn't make sense. But why does it? Because it's a completely supernatural thing. So whether you are from a more uh, traditional Baptistic background, Reformed background, whatever it is, yeah. or from a very charismatic background or a Pentecostal background, mm -hmm. where we could all agree is, he's the one that ultimately shows people the beauty of who, who Jesus is. Uh, we get to be part of it in terms of sharing the gospel, but he's the one that does that. Mm. But then when you step over the line of faith, now what happens is the spirit moves in and he starts looking around into what he's just moved into. Uh, I like I equate it to you know like watching Chip and what's what's her name. You're not gonna make me like Chip and Joanna. Yeah, Chip and Joanna. Joanna Gaines. Yeah, on HGTV. HGT I've seen it once. Okay, so like them or any kind of yeah. transformation, house transformation sure. deal. You go in, you see this like very rundown house. Yeah, exactly. For some reason, you know these people can see have this vision, they see the potential of what's there. Yeah. So they they move in essentially, and they start changing things from the inside out. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's exactly what the spirit does. He moves in, and he's like, "All right, we got some work to do. <laughs> we got some work to do." <laughs> yeah. And he starts cleaning up. Yeah. And this is this is the process, the theological process, is called sanctification, yeah. or the idea of becoming more like Jesus over time. Right. So that's what he does. Over time, he's changing the inside out mm. and i think that's the beauty of the process now throughout that process there are things that uh, you know are in the biblical text that might make people feel uncomfortable but they shouldn't mm. because everything that is mentioned in the bible is actually meant for the good of the church it is meant for the good of christians and is meant for the good of the world right so break down into three parts one, the good for every Christian is you and I get to look more like Jesus over time because the spirit is involved in our lives. Sounds good to me. Amazing. Good for the church because all of the gifts of the spirit that you see with, uh, you know, in the book of Corinthians, as well as Ephesians and Romans, all of those gifts are for the edification of the church or for building up the church to bring unity to the church, growth for the church. So everything that's there is not meant to be weird sure it's meant for the the healing and the health of the church okay 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 and we'll we'll talk about that in, in, in future weeks i'm looking forward to it yep i think and then the last one is the betterment of the world and so this is the idea that the spirit actually empowers us gives us what we need to go and to proclaim the gospel wherever wherever mm -hmm. uh wherever he wants us to go so there's there are these beautiful aspects to the spirit that lots of times we just kind of move away from and never experience in our lives because it's like, well, either it's going to be too freaky yeah. or uh, I just want something that's not actually biblical. Yeah. I want the, whatever experience sure. there might be. Right. Cause obviously with that and you know, there are physiological oh. benefits to you know some of these experiences so totally. obviously you could seek those out and 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 so that could be part of it so but again the danger is going on one side exactly. where you're like eh, i'm good like yeah. i'm just good reading my bible and just, just praying to I'll jesus talk to jesus and you know just yeah. being a good neighbor which which is fine sure but you miss out on so much of yeah. what your christian life could be like 
And then the other danger is going to the other side where, you know, for us growing up, this has been a completely different uh, experience than you. Right. For me, it was, um, you know, there was this thing called uh, the Toronto Blessing in the 90s. And uh, that's what I was referring to. Okay. That's what you're referring to. Like that was the thing. So my parents had just become Christians. This was like uh, a big thing. And I think when everything started, and like most charismatic movement things or Pentecostal things, when stuff starts, it's beautiful. Sure. It's very pure. There are just amazing things that happen um, and and are great. But then over time, it went from being this purity of experience to people are barking like dogs. Um, Okay. And and then this is what I, this is what I say to everybody. Sure. Show me that in the Bible. Right. And I I think this is where it's not going to contradict. The Bible's not going to contradict the spirit because the spirit's the one that wrote it. Right. So then, I mean, in my head, I'm trying to try not to be that guy, but then I'm sure. like, well, could he make someone bark like a dog? He, he, like, he could, he could, but why? Oh, well, I don't know. I mean, that, and that is exactly why. Um, and I mean, for me, there is some, just in experientially some of those, I don't see the benefit of getting knocked over and stuck to the ground. Sure. I don't know. It doesn't make sense to me. Sure. And, and there are, there are, people that have experienced those things right and I, and they're genuine and great people and I, i'm not discounting their their experiences for sure but what i am saying is let's evaluate it based on what's in the text makes sense let's make sure that whatever the spirit is doing reflects his character in the bible i mean when marvin describes him as an advocate comforter helper and counselor right is he doing those things? Right. Is he doing those things in our lives? Is he doing those things in our church? Is he doing those things uh, in the world? Like uh, with Christians going out and doing uh, whatever they need to do to share the gospel? Hmm. Like does what is happening in a church service match the character of the spirit that we're talking about? Yeah. And I think yeah. that's important to evaluate. No, that's, that's huge. I mean, and I've always wondered too, is like, well, and again, I know some of the things that we as Christians do are weird. And so sure. people will come in and go, you know, body and blood and like, what are you guys doing? This yeah. is weird. So yeah. for me then that was growing up too. Is like, well, okay, this is weird. And if someone walked in right now with these people running around barking, like what, what does that say about God? Or totally. What is that? Whatever. But then again, well, well, but you know, there's still some weird things that we can't really explain. And that's just what we believe. So, you know, again, and that's, that's my tension over. Absolutely. But what I would say to people is go read the book of first Corinthians. First Corinthians. Because here's the thing. The only, the only thing, the only reason why we have those books yeah. is because there were problems. And so Corinthians, the Corinthian church, actually, they were very spiritually abusive about mm. spiritual gifts. If they weren't, then there wouldn't be a, a reason for Paul to write, to write the letter, right? Write the letter and to write the love chapter that we oh, quote at weddings. That right. chapter is actually about spiritual gifts. Hmm. He just lists the, all of the spiritual gifts in First Corinthians twelve uh, in that list. Then he says, "Look, like if you're going to use them, use them with love. Love, yeah. Make sure that you're doing them in a way that's not self-seeking. Hmm. You're looking for the betterment of the other person. That you are doing it with care and concern." because they weren't doing that. The reason why he has to write it is because they weren't doing that. 
And I think the when you look at the charismatic movement and you know, Jesus people movement, the Pentecostal movement, all, all of these great, great spaces. And, yeah, born out of amazing things, right? Born out of amazing things. I think they all started in amazing ways. Mm -hmm. But over time, I think people started doing things that were not okay. Right. And just like the Corinthians had to get addressed in that, I think a lot, like you could rename Corinthians, First Corinthians, the, the letter to the Pentecostal Charismatic Church. Interesting. In some, in some okay, ways. Okay. You know? Interesting. And so I think over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some, some things that go, you know, uh, that supplement what Marvin's doing on, on a weekend. Oh, that's good. But, uh, but that's... Uh, yeah, I, th I think when we talk about the spirit, there's just so much more to him than yeah. than what we've made him up to be. Well, and I think for me, I want that too, is because I mean, I think as I've got older, the one thing that I've realized is I I know less than I thought mm -hmm. I did the year before. So for me, thinking I had my theology figured out, I mean, that's that's just the, my story right now. I'm yeah. like, well, I'm not going to hold that too tightly because I know a year ago I thought something very differently. Yeah. So in a year from now, how am I going to be? So, yeah. I mean, I look forward to this time in this in this discussion because, man, I mean, I I have I haven't. I haven't spent a lot of time learning. We're looking at the ratio of the time I've spent mm -hmm. learning about the different persons of the Godhead. This is, this, I'm really behind, right? So. Well, and for me, it's, it's coming to the center around it as well, right? Mm -hmm. Like, cause for years, I think, you know, I, I came from, and, and this was unintentional. Pentecostals didn't say this out loud cause it would sound awful, but like we had this superiority complex. Mm. Well, if Baptists only had the spirit the way right. we do, or, right. you know, and, and I know that's not what people were intending to say, but it came off that way. Sure. And my clincher was, I, you know, I was, uh, I was good friends with a Baptist pastor in Charlottetown with reform guys that loved God and yeah. loved the spirit and were like open to yeah. actually talking about those things in a very tangible, good theological way. Cause they, their concern was we don't want to upset God. And I, right. and it, for me, it was like, these guys have awe, like they just love God so right. much that they don't want to do anything that would hurt him, yeah. uh, you know, or, or, or displease him. Right. And it, it, for me, it wasn't just like, it was a moment where it wasn't just willy nilly, like, ah, just do whatever you want. It was, these people have reverence for God. They want to think through this logically and theologically so that they can please him. Mm. They're open to it, but they want to be careful. And I thought that was amazing. I, that sounds great to me too. So yeah, definitely looking forward to to hearing where we go. And and obviously, yeah, like I said, we'll hear. We'll we'll sort of go there and further potentially, right? So, Fantastic. Of course. Fantastic. Nice. Okay. And for all of you, what's been your experience with the spirit? Hmm. We'd love to know. Uh, definitely. There is a comment section in at YouTube, also on Facebook when we publish this. Uh, there's comment sections. We'd yeah, love to know what, definitely. what have you experienced and what are you going through and what, it, what is it that you think when it comes to the spirit? Is he for, is he for the forgotten God? What have been your experiences when it comes to the charismatic world or to the world that might have been a bit more, uh, hesitant. Mm. So anyway, we'd love to hear from you. Nice. But, uh, yeah, um, let's blow this popsicle stand. <laughs> Good night and farewell. <laughs> <laughs>